the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 53 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, people sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night Hey yo, what's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as OddsCheckerUS.com But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, recording this on a Thursday night. Well, uh, it's evening, but the, well, the sun is still out, you know. Sun is setting right now, but, you know, 7 o'clock-ish, uh, near 2, uh, for, uh, here in Vegas time for UFC Vegas 53. Uh, UFC fight night, Font vs. Vera. Um, UFC on ESPN 35, all the different names. Check the timestamps as per usual. Uh, when that starts, we break everything down from top to bottom. And as per usual, I will recap all my picks and plays at the very end, which will be useful because it's going to have more uh, than is used to be in character. I don't know if that's because of, of the influence of the MMA analysis uh, boys over there. Shouts to those guys, and thanks for having me. That was, that was, that was a good time. Um, uh, with them and also... Uh, other guest co-host, uh, Aaron Watershow. But uh, yeah, check the timestamp for all that as far as the breakdown uh, starts um, in the show notes. If you're listening on YouTube, thank you. Still don't deserve your subscriptions there. I've been meaning to get to back to the messages too. It's been insanely busy. Um, I've been barely have enough time to get drunk and pay off this bet for verbal tap, which I plan to do. I mean, I've, I've had the alcohol for like two weeks I've been sitting on, but that's kind of how busy I've been. So I apologize, but I appreciate y'all there. YouTube, Daniel, Tom, MMA, if you want to subscribe. Um, or, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform, um, you can check the show notes <clears throat> there. Uh, we're going to start, of course, with just uh, hopefully a quick recap here just of uh, some of the Bellator Hawaii stuff and UFC Vegas 52 recap, which was a good week. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Bellator Hawaii recap. Um, basically, um, I also want to shout out my guy, uh, Liam Picks Fights. So let me get his... Uh, handle out there i was gonna try to pop on his show especially because he, he had my, my my guy uh uh luke uh, liam at liam picks fights uh is a good dude in the in, in the space really like liam and uh who did he have uh, uh oh yeah my guy luke uh, at swr underscore betting uh couldn't join them but uh plan on talking to them regardless if it's here or their shows uh soon to just good dudes i always chat with want to give a shout but yeah bellator hawaii Let's see here. Um, yeah, Liz Carmouche, you know, nearly committed a murder if it wasn't for Mike Beltran stepping in to save poor Juliana Velasquez, who was helpless. That bet was never in doubt. I'm just kidding, folks. <laughs> it wasn't even a full cash because part of me sprinkled on decision in one house, as, as some of you did. But you still, if you kicked for coverage, as you should if you're playing a dog, um, you still came away with some, with some, with some scratch um, to lead into the weekend, which was nice. 
And uh, obviously, I'm going to take full, uh, you know, I always complain, of course. When do, when does, when, when do I not complain? No, um, but you know, I, also, I also try to keep the same energy in my defense. And, yeah, I, I, like I tweeted, I did not, you know, I bet on Carmouche and I didn't like the stoppage. I thought it was premature, you know, uh, could have let it go. All that, all that same stuff you've heard, I don't, I don't disagree with. And I will fully admit, this was a good beat and a good beat on WMMA that I happen to be on the right side of. So um, I'm glad I didn't lead you guys wrong. And uh, knowing you guys, uh, Cash made me feel a bit better. I hope, obviously, they do the rematch. Um, Barzola defeated uh, Mikhailov. I saw action on both sides. I just wanted to stay away. Danny Sabatello, who looks like he's the uh, Danny Sabs. He looks like he's like the the, uh, the love child of Joe, of Joe Pesci. Shout to Scott Fontana and another Joe though. I'll add to Scott's is Joe Warren. I feel like he's an amalgamation of those two guys. You know, just kind of storming on the scene. Um, and not much else to really talk about from that card. They usually kind of lightly do that one since that's more for the uh, the troops. And I'm sure they let in the fighters' families. But yeah, that's like first responders kind of a night. And then they usually stack the next night, which was Bellator 279. Um, oh, it was so hard watching. This is the first uh, Bellator Hawaii events I didn't cover. I'm not going to get back on my soapbox like last week. I'm just fucking grateful to be working. There's so many things to be grateful in life. Not complaining, but it did suck. It was, I really wanted to be there, man. And just, oh, to, you know, seeing the walkouts and just the, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it was to be a heel move. Uh, like I saw Helwani tweet uh, for Manny Sanchez's walkout, which, by the way, good value there. You look at it as far as uh, Madero's. Um, Manny Sanchez hasn't been looking good, moving up in weight. And Madero, you know, so he's fighting a featherweight, whereas Madero's is a, you know, welterweight. You know, used to be a heavyweight, you know, right? Something fought like crazy high weights, but, you know, was a welterweight, lightweight tweener. And um, underrated wrestling. I think Gregor Gillespie, for what it's worth, um Still credits him as the hardest guy to keep and hold down for what that's worth. So, um, in that case, you could have maybe predicted a stand-up fight, and then wow, that big plus number on Maderos looks you know much juicier. But I barely had time to look through these fights. Again, I was kind of calling audibles. There was just so much events and coverage I still had to do, uh, even from the comfort of my home. But uh, Manuel Sanchez, I don't know if he did it back. What I was saying as a heel move to walk out to Brada is, but like it's not just like a, oh that's BJ's walk out and they're in Hawaii. But, like, as far as what it meant for, you know, Hawaiian sovereignty and that whole um, that whole movement. And yeah, it is someone, uh, one of my uh, followers, made a interesting tweet. It's, it's true, man. Um, you know, it, it is kind of ironic. You know, it's all heavy military when these Bellators do these Hawaii shows. And you see Ali Malay, you know, they base him around Ali Malay. And Ali Malay is out there, you know, reminding you uh, 1893, baby, uh, stolen land, you know. That was a... You know, land was a lot of land. We got annexed that year, I believe, to Cuba and other places. Uh, yeah, it was not a you know a forgotten part of history. Um, so shouts to Alima Lay for repping that, and I hope you know. I don't expect everybody to realize that. I know people are you know well-meaning people. Are like, I didn't realize that. I dig it. I'm like that's all good. I just I'm just saying. I hope you guys you know you realize that. I think you know even though my guy uh, shouts to the Couch Side Judges, uh, Couchside Judges podcast, of course, love those guys, Scott and Dan. Um, you know, even my guy Scott, you know, has just said like, you know, it's different than uh, state pride is different in Hawaii. It's not like being in California. It's 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 a whole different thing, and 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 you know, he is he is absolutely right about that. So, um, I know <clears throat> some other voices <laughs> may are are trying to represent that and falling on their face. Uh, so uh, <laughs> let's not let's not talk about those people. <clears throat> 
But, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, apropos to the, the coverage of Bellator Hawaii here. Props to Alima Leigh, who had a really, you know, I don't know if I want to say a bad showing because I, I, I didn't really watch the fight. But, yeah, I was surprised, man, just on paper, this and that. And it's, it looked like Justin Keish was like, she was like on her Instagram, like, oh, I barely made it through this camp. Thanks for these people. And, like, you look at all her photos. She wasn't even putting weight on one leg. I'm like, this girl is injured. And I'm like, of course, she's, you know, this is the uh, setup fight. And uh, everyone wants a free trip to Hawaii, you know. And, and that's another thing, too. You see, like, all these fighters and corners that have no, <clears throat> not no business. So they obviously have relation. <clears throat> but, like, uh, they'll just, like, be out there and stuff. Like, I saw so many UFC fighters out there every time. Um, oh, my, my guy Nixick was out there because uh, Kai Boy fought, and unfortunately Kai didn't get the win. That was unfortunate. Um, but that would have been cool to be out there too because I was like, oh, my guy Nixick's out there. Oh, I would have loved to have fucking <clears throat> uh, 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 kicked back one off work hours there with uh, with my guy Eric. It's been a while since I've seen him in general. So, But, uh, yeah, it wasn't a great night for a lot of the Hawaiians. Um in that respect, and uh, it was also, you know, maybe it shouldn't surprise me, because even though I, I picked Alima Lay and I was genuinely surprised, and obviously I really like Alima Lay, you know, part of the reason for the fate on Velasquez, not just because she fights close, which is, you know, you know we'll, we'll play into one of my, one of many dog plays I got coming your way here on the card, um, but was also because I think people forget that Bellator's female division, not only, you know, not to pick on, on, on the ladies, um, or anything, but like, just kind of stating facts, not to be a facts bro either, I definitely don't want to be that, reply guy but it is a something i've always said just limited sample size and you take that you can kind of amplify that when you consider it's not just because it's bellator but the fact that bellator started this division from scratch you know she was having what like a, a series with emily ducati to establish herself you know what i'm saying and no, no offense to emily ducati but like it <clears throat> it was a complete different level and to see even in a match that was always going to be tough for alima um that was uh, Juliana Velasquez. Um, even she was able to get her down in the same round Liz did, ironically enough, at the end of the fourth, and Lima couldn't get back up. Unfortunately for Liz, uh, she wasn't in a crucifix position, although really there wasn't probably too much difference in ultimately power between the two from that position. But yes, Liz is a more powerful girl, much more dominant position, elbow more damaging tool, not, not, not trying to play it down. But it was kind of ironic, right, uh, that fourth round. But, yeah, back to that comparison, though. We, we forget that that was the measuring point. And Juliana Velasquez didn't have the strongest. It's not like she came over from the UFC or anything, or she fought former UFC girls in Brazil. Like, it wasn't any of this case, you know. Um, she was fighting close with Bellator level, whereas Liz, say what you will, she's fucking battle-tested. And females and heavyweights, there's a lot of, ironically, sim similarities in the fact that the coin can flip that fast, not in the sense of knockout potential, but in the sense of, of, of fight swings. You see upsets more in the, the female divisions, mischaracterized odds. And then you also have that lighter men's weight class feel where it, it, since no one's getting finishes and the action's moving pretty fast and wildly, you're really depending on judges to have good eyes and exchanges, you know, and and, and, and whatnot. And that's very difficult to them in their defense. Because as you can see, as I don't pick on the judges, as I more pick on people and their arguments, um, there's not a really good accountability there. There's a lot of people don't have those, those, those eyes. They'll still get swayed by, um, you know, loud noises. Loud noises. That must mean impact, damage, criteria, case closed. It's like, mm, not necessarily. 
Um, you know, not to do the old Goldberg thing, but there was truths to a lot of the Goldbergisms that he would repeat, where he would say, hey, you know, Joe, when it's the thud, when it's quiet, is when you don't hear it, and that's very, very true, and something I think people that are, you know, um, impact flag wavers, and not that you shouldn't be, it's part of the fucking criteria, you should be tethering all your conversation to the criteria and reading it and being familiar with it, um, but, you know, I know... Contrarian Dan Tom here, questioning impact, but like it, it you know, it, it it's something fighters say themselves. I heard it in the commentary saying like, "Oh, forget which fight we're going to talk about," but they're talking about, "Oh yeah, I knew I hit him good because I didn't feel anything," you know, and that's something that translates to even a sport like golf. I don't know how many of you listeners out there are golfers, but I know when I golfed, when you hit the ball wrong, you feel you felt it, you know, especially if it was really cold early in the morning, you just felt that reverberation from the club into your hands and it rattled your bones, right? But when you hit it clean, it feels like you didn't even touch the ball at all. It just, it goes, it, it's clear as day, right? Um, and that's why you see, I think, like, was it Matt Hughes, BJ Penn, three. He throws what is it, like the basic um, one, two, three. And it's the two that knocks Hughes out, but you still see um, BJ for his experience as he is. He throws the three, and he even acknowledges that, um which is to say that it wasn't just the easy explanation of muscle memory, though that obviously plays a part, folks. Um, but he even said, he was, oh, I didn't even, man, I, I hit him so good that I didn't even think I hit him that good. That's why I threw the three right after, and he was already gone. And so th- th- that's another thing I, th- I think people tend to forget while we're, we're, we're overcorrecting the steering wheel now that we, we've re-familiarized ourselves with you know, criteria, and thanks to voices in the media who have helped that, by the way. You guys are awesome. Um, and I shot you guys out here on this pod, but I, I do think that should be considered with impact because it's loud noises doesn't mean it's a fucking clean hit, doesn't mean it's an effective hit, um, doesn't mean it's a super effective hit, even if it did hit, right? It's, it's, there's, there, you know, there's metrics you have to account for in these things. Um, I know, sorry, tangent. Um, didn't watch, can't tangent too much on the rest because I really didn't watch too much of this. Um, again, I kind of, it was a winning night and I tweeted that I laid off my parlay even though I technically picked all favorites. And good thing I didn't because, again, I said, you know, it wasn't the Extreme Couture bias just because Patchy Mix was training Extreme Couture. You guys know, if anything, I'm, you know, I'm biased toward the Gooch and I picked the Gooch, um, you know, for the body work and stuff that he was landing and people who I trust that judge fights, um, you know, said this could have been a draw, and you could even made an argument for for, uh, for Horiguchi, uh, depending if you go a 10-8 on one of the rounds or not. But I didn't watch this close enough to make the argument, folks, so I'm not going to venture too far into it. I'm not going to take away from Patchy Mix's. Um, props to you guys if you were on Mix. I, I had some friends of mine, well, I think it was Liam. Uh, speaking of Liam, yeah, I think Liam was big on it. Uh, I think my guy Clint was on there, too. Um I'm going to be on Clint's show next week, by the way, with uh, my old co-host, Dan Levy. So check that out. Um, but yeah, uh, so I stayed away, so I didn't really, I, and then subsequently was barely watching this. Like, barely was watching the Rafian Stotswan Archuleta, and as soon as they said K, uh, KO or like it abruptly finished, like I was surprised. I picked Stotts by decision. I'm not fronting. But at the same time, when I was, you know, over the shoulder, I heard the result. Um, I already knew what it was before the strike was. I knew what the strike was. It was him dipping into a head kick, you know, death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping into head kicks. <coughs> and then Cyborg uh, Blanco went the distance. And um, yeah, so um, that was a uh, Bellator uh, Hawaii. 15. 
50. Uh, now we'll go UFC. Um, UFC, it, it was a winning night, man. We went 8-3 and three overall, 1-0 and in our parlay, 1-1 one one in straight plays, 3-1 and one in props, 0-1 in the round flyer, but we did hit... Finally hit one of our prop parlays. I mean, if you guys have been Ron robin my props, you've been making out real good for the last six months. Y'all been y'all been supplying this fucking habit of yours off uh, if you've been doing that. Um, but uh, for me, I don't have that house, unfortunately. Um, that does that here in the U.S. that I, I like and trust, unless you want to recommend me some. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I did hit um, four... Uh, Three or four props, or what was it? For it was only plus one thousand seventy-five for point three three units, but that was a nice bump, man. So I'll take it. And even though I hit that, and it was a winning night, um, it felt like a losing night because my whole timeline since it, you know, apparently the second coming of Christ fought in the co-main event, um, and you know, Jessica Andrade, by the way, defeated Amanda Lamosh. Um, I don't, I wasn't even watching too closely, uh. She didn't, you know, look like she was, look like Lemos was a mix of Lemos fighting a good game plan and Andrade fighting maybe a bad one to start, but then Andrade obviously eventually got a hold of her and recreated that uh, Jessica I, Zoya Lofasto finish, if memory serves. Is that an old Strike Force fight or something? Not you know, Strike Force, but um, that fight that put Jessica on the map that got her into the UFC uh, when she stepped up to 135. Um, anyways, um, but yeah, uh, good on Andrade, and you know, again, folks, people forget, a lot of people that, uh, um, I trust scoring, um, you know, as, as well, uh, also confirmed that I'm not crazy for that, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a strong argument that, uh, Andrade won that first fight, and obviously would have won it if it went five rounds, um, so, I, I'm hoping that she gets another shot at, at uh, at, uh, Chad Hose. Um, but yeah, uh, you wouldn't, and then she cast the inside the distance, which capped off, I believe a one, why don't we just look at it right here, dummy, I have it written down, that was only a three leg parlay, uh, yeah, it was only a three leg, uh, prop parlay, but, uh, one leg of a down, um, probably one of my more confident plays of the night if I had to put on it, and maybe shouldn't have been as confident, because what I was betting on is probably more of a fade of the other person, but that's the one that I missed. That's Claudio Puez uh, defeated Clay Guida. And again, man, like, I, I, I had a really good night, but it's just everybody was just, like, jizzing themselves. Even people I respect, I'm not throwing shade or whatever, but there was just, like, oh, my God. Like, you could argue that Andrade's submission was more impressive, and I think people were arguing between those two mainly, whereas I was, I know, Surprise, surprise, in the minority. I was actually arguing for another submission that was the most impressive and of someone who should have got the bonus. But we all know how that goes. Um, guys like Poyez will get the bonus. Uh, no, Poyez, you know, again, yeah, he's, you know, not to play the fucking classes and whatever, but, man, I do love seeing people from, like, you know, um, you know, uh, where, I don't want to, I don't know what world, you know, the, not as privileged countries because we're privileged fucks here in the U.S. Just to put it that way, I love seeing those people. Um, I hope that comes off in the spirit that it's meant. I, I love seeing those people get the bonuses. Um, and usually they're on the prelims, not in this co-main event spot. Uh, but uh, I didn't mind it because it was Guida was the other half, and, and Guida obviously deserves that respect. Um, but Guida can be subbed, and I bet for on him to be subbed before. And uh, maybe I thought I was steering away from the bias that you can fall into, whether you cash on when you want to cash on him again, or in this case... Um, 
Guida burned me, uh, even though I didn't bet on him. I bet on the other guy to finish him. He burned me, and then he he survives that with the help of Keith Peterson uh, against Leo Santos, and then of course then he gets burned here early. Like ah, bet the wrong time, right? Um, so I'll take it on the chin there, and I definitely apologize for anybody you tailed. And and I I, I, I do give props to Poya. Someone says like my guy Jerry H, you know, and, and he didn't you know mean it anyway, but it was just like you gonna give props to Poya now. I'm like I'm like, I mean. I, I give him props for the knee bar and the grappling, but like even as hard as I am on Poyas, I I didn't doubt his grapple. I said he's a good grappler, um, but he says his wrestling, his process, his striking, his tying all those things. One of two of those things, much less all three of those things, we haven't seen it. I haven't seen a fucking jab jab leg kick out of this fucking kid. His wrestling was so bad that just a fight ago, DC was laughing at him. And he's young and has had years and years to improve. Uh, years in between some performances, even if you look at his UFC sample size. So that's why I didn't give him the, the designation as a prospect. And part of me wants to now just because I don't want to be a hater. But part of me feels like, well, maybe that's just disin- maybe that's more disingenuous and rude and dishonest to him, myself, and you, the listener, if I do that. Um, because it could be one of those things where it's like Giga Chikatse, where um, the same thing happened, and I look like a hater, but then it got proven right once he got in there with a a an actually good fighter who's in season, whereas Clay Guido is an actually good fighter, an actually ranked fighter, um, like Calvin Cater was, except it was a decade ago when Guido was ranked, folks. You know? Um... And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be enough. You know, um, I'm going to stick to my, you know, I don't want to be that stubborn guy that, uh, you know, I forget, uh, how, how my guy Lance Fischel put it when I was on the analysis podcast. But, like, I'll make that bet any day. But, like, I did say this before the pod, uh, before the podcast, and I'll, I'll keep that same energy, you know. Um, I, I apologize if I let you guys down, but uh, I don't regret it. I definitely don't regret it because it was still a fucking winning night, baby. But um, I, I, I don't regret, you know, taking veterans to fade these uh, unproven guys until they show it. And it was a really nice knee bar. And, and shout-outs to my guy, Agent Ben 10, one of my favorite people, who does a, a video breakdown as he was adding to the waves of, uh, of the second coming of Christ, Claudio Puelles. Um, he Now, of course, Ben does amazing breakdowns. You should be following him for uh, all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a great knee bar, man. A good, good transition, great feel. The dude's a natural grappler. He can really get into those flow states and that's great that's all great but it's like guys are we not gonna pretend that like between 145 and 155 the divisions this guy kids competed in like the that is you know if you want to be a one-trick pony that's just submissions and have like mediocre wrestling like that's great if you're in middleweight light heavyweight or heavyweight but in those technical divisions how many times have we seen that i mean even in the quote-unquote and I, you know i'm not trying to be rude to middleweights light heavyweights or heavyweights but even in those less technical divisions, how many of those, how many fucking guard players, you know, have we seen, right? Um, even Verdum, he had to get Cordero striking. He had to get underrated wrestling to become the first person to take down Travis Brown, right? Like he had to f- go through, and he had to go through years of all these lessons and getting his ass kicked um, to get to that level, you know what I'm saying? Or they're like Paul Sass and they're just like a fun flash in the pan. And that's all cool. And I'm not hating on that. Although, you know, at least Paul Sass was a little more, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a lot easier to like, especially for a guy like me, you know, because he was like Garth from Wayne's World, like in his interviews. They'd be like, oh, my God, how do you keep hitting the triangles, Paul Sass? And he's like, ha, I don't know. I like to play. <laughs> like, it was like, it was like, it was like the, um, 
uh, it was like, you know, I believe he was a scouser too, wasn't he, Paul Sass? Um, but yeah, he was like the scouse Garth from Wayne's World, you know, whereas Poyez is just like, oh my god, how do you keep hitting this low fucking percentage move over and over again? Um, and he, he just fucking leans into it. He's not even like just accepting the credit. Like you're already fucking 150% overperform. You're a winner, bro. You're even going to be more than a winner because you're getting an undeserved bonus. And I'll say that because I have just, that does a really good argument for who should have got that bonus instead. But, um, now you're going to be like, oh, I don't even practice it at the gym. Even though one of the tweets on the screen was Michael Chandler going, Claudio Poyas has the meanest knee bars in the gym. And I think that even like tweeted out before he even hit the knee bar so i'm just like dude your own fucking teammate like ratted you out and second of all okay you know what it's an awesome knee bar. yeah it, what he did was awesome i'm not denying that kid guys okay and you know what let's believe him you know what i'll let let's uh, you know i'm not gonna s the d but I'll, 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 I'll get on my knees just for a second to, to humor humor this proposition okay you're right you don't practice it boy so what the fuck are you practicing? So you're pretty much saying that what you practice in the gym, you don't do. Huge red flag. And not only A, do you not do what you practice in the fucking gym, and you have a good gym to practice in. You got good coaches and training partners and a good regimen, so that's sure as shit ain't the problem. Not only you don't take advantage of that and do what you do, what do you do instead, Poyas? You go to your back because, again, that's so successful in MMA, no matter division, right? Much less in technical divisions would still carry knockout power, like lightweight and featherweight, real smart, real long-term. Um, and then even from there, not, not just you know going to the back, we're not even just going to go guillotines, uh, triangles, uh, then arm bars if we're going by the male, male divisions as far as like you know top three. Let's just go bottom three. Let's go fucking knee bar, you know? Um and uh, and so yeah, it's 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 crazy, but I don't know how long that's gonna roll. And you know what? I should be happy. Everybody is sucking this guy's this guy's D because like it's gonna make a really good line um, when he finally faces someone good. But my worry, and I'm putting this out in the universe, I have a feeling they're gonna put him against fucking someone like Jim Miller again, like a Clay Guida, and they're you know, and then they're gonna give him credit. He's gonna get like some heartbreaking fucking loss. Of course, it's just gonna like. Cue that meme of Anakin, all the Anakin Skywalkers freaking out that I tweeted on Twitter like the other week. I love it. Um, I've, I've <laughs> probably should have tweeted after Poyas won. <laughs> I was just having a good night, so what can I say? I'm I'm, I'm not hating. I, I go on my rants. I get passionate, folks. But obviously, it's a, I don't, you can't take this stuff too seriously. You got to have a short memory in this game. You got to turn the page next week. But um, definitely on the fade plant list, though. Poyas is man. Definitely on that fade plant list. So. Uh, Again, you know, props to him. Props to Poyas Betters. Uh, Poyas Sub Betters. Um, uh, legit props to you guys, man. But just just careful. Careful on that ride. Because if they actually give him someone good, like, again, I, I don't see him, this kid beating anybody in lightweight top 10 unless he makes some serious strides in his game. So, you know, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but again, folks. The fucking I can go on examples for days, um, but but I want to blow through this the rest of this. Uh, Macy Barber defeated Montella Desirosa. Oh my god, I have to do my Macy my Macy Barber impression like every time I hear her talk. It's just, it's just, it just devolves into a fucking a demon. That's all I hear when Macy Barber talks. But I was right on this one, and I probably you know again it's winning night anyway, so you know it was fine. But uh. 
and this is a night where I'm, I am following these, following my nose, uh, like the fucking tricks rabbit. We'll see where that gets me. Is that the right reference, kids? I don't know. It's probably too old for most of you kids. Um, tricks rabbit? Jesus, damn. But uh, but yeah, she got the decision for plus money. Just she out-athleted her. Um, it was smart, as in sense like it's like they said like, oh, what are you good at? Oh, you're pretty much only good at like smashing girls up and athleting them against the cage. Let's focus your whole game plan on that. It's like props to Team Alpha Male on that. But I mean, I don't know how much new wrinkles Macy Barber's shown, but we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, Charles Jordan defeated Lando Venata guillotine choke. Thought this was gonna go long, man. And Charles Jordan. Uh, Says something different. I believe it. The counters, you know, to my credit, I believe still showed up there to set it up. But um, once it went for that guillotine, um, kind of like surprised while I was watching it. And again, I even said on the podcast, he outranks Venata in, in jujitsu. I just didn't see this one ending in submission. Uh, I wasn't dissing Jordan's skills again. I, I I didn't forget that he had a black belt in jujitsu, but um. He certainly reminded everybody, right? That's for damn sure. And I thought that was the most coolest submission of the night, to be honest. Um, it wasn't a one-arm choke, but it's the way he set it up and finished it. Um, you know, I know Venata has arguably been overrated or underperformed, and that's no offense to him. I like the guy. Uh, but that still doesn't change the fact that that's still an impressive uh, dude to get that on. Um, you know, he's a hard guy to control, much less uh, submit. So, um, and... I also realized, I think it was via Aaron Brownstetter, shout out to him, the TSN MMA show, uh, I, Charles Jordan never has gotten a bonus. And that guy, it's like, whether you like that guy or not, like, the dude's always excited fights. You can't deny that. Like, the dude's must-see TV every time out, and he hasn't bonused once. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, ugh, I forget. I even went to look at some of the fights and, like, compared who got the bonuses. I'm like, oh, that's gross. Why did that person get the bonus? Like, oh, come on. Um... So, yeah, it would have been... And Jordan, like, you know, he had the opponent fall out. And he's, like, always, like, trying to take all these fights for the UFC. Like, the fuck, dude? Like, you, I don't know. Was, you, you know you know how you know how the world... Not just the UFC. You know how the world is, which is why I'm fucking wired the way I'm being contrarian and try to shout the people who don't get the credit. It's because everybody else is too busy sucking the dick of the day. Uh, anyways. Um... Mark Andre Barrio, and you know I know I'm a couple later in this, and I get passionate, but hey, you know what? At least I keep the same energy when um, I uh, you know, and we'll get to it with the uh, or Richie Lang, the Mongolian murder stoppage. Like I, I complain just as much when I cash these bets. You know, I'll call it out. Like when I say, hey, I don't think that was a good stoppage, even though I cashed on Carmouche, or I'll fucking get out and I'll type the ref's name and make a that big criticism toward that and a big call out before I go, oh yeah, and I cashed a bet. Like, so I, in fairness, you could say I complain. Or like, no, I, I, I'll call out the bad beats when I make them, like the buys of bets, and um, I will even get mad at bets that I cash. You know what I'm saying? So I keep that same energy, at least do my best to. Um, yeah, Mark Andre Barrio defeated Jordan Wright. I forgot to say this. Like, go watch Jordan Wright's stoppage of uh, when he, I forget, I think it's a, uh, who is it? The guy that got viraled, um, or the the guy that viraled Impa. Um, people are shouting right now. Oh my goodness! I have to find that now. What's his? Uh, jo- Joaquin Buckley. Sorry, uh, Joaquin Buckley. And um, yeah, on his finish of Jordan Wright, like I didn't realize how many times Jordan Wright does a barrel roll. Like I need somebody who listening to this to edit. I'd be too mean, especially that he lost the fight again in like spectacular fashion. Um, but somebody needs to, like, uh, edit um, the bunny from Star Fox. I don't care which version, 
but just a do a barrel roll, do a barrel roll, do a barrel roll. Like, there's a YouTube video of that. Someone needs to edit that with um, that finish of Joaquin Buckley and, and, and Jordan Wright. It's, or just go back and watch it for yourself if you don't want to do it and just play it in your head. And it's, I know it's not a nice thing to, to make fun because Jordan Wright seems like the nicest fucking guy, man. He really does. Like, I just, I feel like me and him would be martial arts buddies. So I, I feel bad making that joke, but at the same time, I can't can't help myself sometimes you guys know this for better or worse uh sergey k honda k hondasco shout out to my man aaron cracking me up with the e honda reference uh defeated dwight grant via tko punches didn't watch this one too closely um toss and pedro um uh, Brad, my my guy brad at brass chuck wanted to hear well, how would busy being say tyson pedro munoz and i'm like toss and pedro munoz <laughs> the t- the toss and doesn't change too much. It's not. It's much shorter and not as twanged out. Um, which I, I prefer the Australian version. Shout out to my guy Mark Fellows there. Um, sometimes I like saying the names. I like Jake Matthews. I like Jake Matthews. Jake. Love Aussies, man. Was it one of my favorite character actors right now? Is Ben Mendelsohn. That guy's the shit. Fucking Ben Mendelsohn, baby. Of course you're a Ben Mendelsohn fan, you fucking hipster. Yeah, Tyson Pedro defeated Ike Villanueva on KO. Wow, alrighty. Um, if you use him instead of uh, Chase Sherman or Romanoff that got canceled um, on your round-robin parlay to do a fourth, since I didn't ha- have one to give you, um, you would have still cashed there, but I know a lot of people uh, did that Sherman one and, and uh, probably already had that locked in before it got canceled, so we're stuck there, so... That sucks, but at least the the main three, if you stuck to the main three that I was on, you still cash some money, baby. Um, <clears throat> Orichi Lang, the Mongolian murderer. Told you I'll take this guy going up in weight versus the guy that should be uh, should be going up but is going down, which was Cameron Elson. What did I say? That durability. And uh, sure enough, that inside the distance cashes, baby. So it was uh, Orichi Lang and, and Mark Barrio, and both the inside the distance legs cashed, too. So that was real nice. That that made us sitting pretty, which made losing the uh, Clay Guida bet a little easier to swallow. And, of course, uh, the uh, Andrade inside the distance brought everything home with in the, in the green. Preston Parsons, I'm glad I didn't end up laying the submission. He went for it, and I wasn't wrong with the analysis there, but Evan Elder, tough as, tough as nails, man. I hope he gets a full camp, and uh, man, he just got fucking scarred up and took a beating. Oh, poor guy, I hope he recovers fast. Felipe Linz defeated Marcin Pragnio. That was jumping out at me, man, but I didn't have time to, to, to get it, and I don't know how much confident I would have been enough to play anyways, but uh, Linz definitely was the play there. Props if he took that. Walter Waite, Mike Jackson defeated Dean Barry. This just looked sloppy as hell. Um, it is. I, I'm just going to laugh at it all because it's, it's also pretty funny, so... Props to Mike Jackson for going 2-0, baby. <laughs> All right, we do that. 34. 55. All right. You're going to go to UFC Vegas 53 now, folks. All right. Got a lot of a lot of plays and a lot of, uh, a lot of talking points. Uh, so we'll see. My main event breakdown up uh, is up in the headliner if you want to go check that out in depth at MMAJunkie.com. Rob Font, minus 135. Marlon Chita Vera, plus 115. Um, big fan of Font, but I ended up going with Vera in this. Um, I just basically think that the small cage is going to favor him. Font is going to start off this fight really well, but to keep that lead and finish strong, he's going to have to walk a very fine line. And I don't know if he can do that. 
you know, we saw him kind of fall apart and shoot panic shots in the guillotines against Pedro Munoz uh, back in the day. And, you know, pressure shut him down as well with uh, John Lineker. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, he was able to get uh, Douglas De Silva. <laughs> I'm check. Douglas Dion Steroids DeAndre. <laughs> such a funny nickname. But, um... He, I was able to get him, but, you know, and he's improved his wrestling, too. Um, I think Font's the more likely to shoot and maybe could get some control time. Um, but I think it's going to be, the rounds are going to be determined on, if that ha- does happen, on whether or not is Font, you know, we're going to weigh what Font's able to do with the top position versus Vera, who's, you know, he's going to be throwing slicing elbows um, and submissions and looking for scrambles the whole time. Um, so if it does make it a decision um, and they grapple, um, I think that could be a, a hinging factor. Um, but in, in those cases, still, I would think Vera is the more dangerous person, and even if his mission isn't produced, he'll be the more damaging one, even from bottom. That's always a dicey thing. Dicey, dicey. Uh, to make, you know, to count on the uh, judges rewarding, and that's not to pick on the judges. And again, just going off of what we traditionally see, you really got to work harder. You know, the bi- there's a bias of being on top, just like there's a bias in the criteria towards uh, with with impact. Uh, there's going to be the, the language, um, and and the way people seem to interpret it, it's just kind of bias is much more striking toward than toward grappling. So there's just some of these biases that are inherent. You know what I'm saying? Whether we agree with it or not, I'm just simply just trying to acknowledge them. Um, but yeah. Um, so uh, uh, there could be that, but uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of clinch stuff, and that's Marlon Vera's world. Um, it's where he gets a lot of his damage done. Uh, I think his leg kicks are going to be able to uh, target for Font with his jab, of course. We've seen Vera do that against um, you know the very few jabbers, that people with decent jabs, I should say. I don't know if we call anyone he's fought jabbers, but fighters who had decent jabs that he's fought, he's not been shy to kick the legs. Um, Marlon Vera is not shy to work the body, which is great because that's been a traditional target of Font. But Font, that's also been a traditional target of Vera. They share that their weaknesses in that regard. Um, as far as counter fighters who could, or fighters who could competently counter and work the body, um, has really wreaked havoc on havoc on both of these men, not just Jose Aldo. Um, if you look at their career, right? Um, and Font, you know, he notices that, that Vera does a shelling defense a lot, so he says he wants to take advantage of that. So I think uppercuts and uh, body work is going to be uh, Font's best shots here. Um, but Marlon Vera just seems deceptively durable and stupidly durable. Not deceptively, he's stupidly durable. It's pretty obvious. And his defense has deceptively been getting better since he's been working with Jason Perillo. He's working more out of an orthodox stance, and it's more—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not as uncommon to see him kind of hit, hit rear-handed parries and do kind of catch-pitch counters, um, and just have more of a have more uh, eyes open. And he's always a good eyes in exchanges, but using it more, uh, being a little more defensively aware and being able to build off of what happens and just either take or give in the simplest terms. Uh, so I like that, and uh, yeah, you know, um, he's got a lot to gain, he's got momentum, whereas Font's coming off of a really tough loss, and even he said so in himself in interviews, where it's like, you know, it's a good paycheck, it's a good fight, it gets me excited, but I don't have anything to gain off this, and 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to nitpick at Font or saying that's a flag you should take to the bank. I already made my bets before hearing him say this in interviews. But again, that was kind of my suspicion and my worry here for Font, you know. Um, and when, you know, uh, and when things get, the temperature gets turned up, you know, even in fights that he's winning, even in this improved version of himself with the better wrestling, right? In fights that he's winning, like Cody Garbrandt. I remember, I think it was the very end, he's like kind of shooting the kind of panic shot, ends up on his back, you know, uh, when Cody starts getting on the pressure. Um, even though he was pretty much controlling the whole fight, you know? And Vera's a guy who turns up, and, you know, you could argue that he was an unheralded five-round fighter, you know? Uh, especially guys who kind of start slow and seem like they're going to, will fight to their burger. Skinny guys will fight to their burger, you know? He's big for the weight class. He doesn't seem like it. He hates size bullies himself, but I'm like, Vera, you know you're like one of the biggest dudes in this weight class, right? <laughs> I mean, but, but he, you know... It, He's not like, you know, um, tall and, and and like super skinny, but he's got those long legs and uh, you know is, is a deceptive five eight frame. He looks longer than five eight, but he's also well built, takes care of himself, eats good, trains good, conditioning, yada yada. So I took Marlon Vera, I kicked for coverage, and I played him straight for a unit, and I also um, I took him inside the distance at one house because that's all it offers for plus three hundred point three three unit. And I think he ends it by sub just because Font, if he gets hurt, um, Vera's not a one-shot knockout guy. If he gets hurt, he's probably going to shoot. Uh, so whether he's sober or um, disoriented, the subs are just as live you know, in Vera's wheelhouse. So I put just a quarter unit on the house where I played him at sub for plus 600. And the money line I got was plus 115. And then plus 100 in another house. So I probably should just list the plus 100 line, actually, since I added that. Usually I give the better lines. But uh, 115 was the first bet I took on it, so that's why I had that written down here. Um, next, Andre Arlovsky, minus 140. Jake Collier, plus 120. Um, you guys guessed it. I'm going with my guy, uh, Andre Arlovsky. Um you know, Andre, uh, you know, is a 10-year age difference, but I say he's only 43 because he feels like he's been around longer because he has been around forever since the 90s. And it's just that he started young, and he's just a super athlete. And Collier brings – is not um, an athlete. He's an a- I mean, he's an athlete compared to most people. Even, you know, maybe people make fun of him now, but even in the state that he's at, he's more athletic than most people. And he brings – he's more of an athlete – even in the state that he's at because of the division that he competes in at heavyweight. So he's, he's, he brings a lot of more athletic attributes, attributes than a majority of his contemporaries in that weight class, which is probably what allows him success, despite probably being not even a natural middleweight because he really was stripping himself down to get to that weight class. And I do believe him that he says, you know, he takes shots better and feels better. Well, maybe the latter more feels better. I don't know about taking shots better because he still can get put out in the first round. And he still gets hit a lot early and doesn't seem to like it, so he'll play on the outside and kind of work his way back into the fight and then get crazy again. Because the dude's a, a tough guy. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he ain't. But uh, he's human. He's not like Collier ain't some super athlete. He's not even some super you know, durable uh, Darren Elkins type, right, who makes up for it with just unwielding and ungodly headfirst durability. Um, uh, but he just brings those attributes. But he's the problem is he's facing an actual athlete and an actual heavyweight in Arlovsky. Um, he's not going to take him down. 
So it's going to be a striking matchup. So Jake and Jake Collier is not really a one-shot knockout guy. If you look at all his knockouts, um, which there's not many, I think he's only has one in the last half decade, I believe, and that was like a building one against Alberto Uda. And you look at a lot of people that he bought, uh, fought. The quality of the names don't jump out. But even if you go and find it further, they either don't fight because they uh, don't fight again, or they don't win again if they fight because they were on. They weren't that high as a profile dudes, and even those guys were kind of on their way out when Collier fought him, whereas Andre, you know, has, has fought the best of the best. Um, he's not going to beat the best of the best at this stage in his career, but that's not what he's been fighting, and that's why I've been betting and cashing on him, mainly by decision. I'm not going to do it here. I actually laid the chalk on him, minus 140. Again, I got a minus 135 in another house, but I'll give uh, I'll say minus 140 because I still ended up putting 1.4 units um, on each of them, so I'm getting at least a unit return back. Uh, if he wins, uh, because I think that Jake Collier could, even though volume is clearly his his route here, um, and it could be a greasy decision, much more greasy than it should be, kind of like the Vandera fight. It shouldn't have been a split. You know, again, these, these fights where they're not seeing the counters and they're just seeing the, the wild aggression of these young young characters that Arlovsky's facing, all their vigor. And again, just because they're swinging hard and it makes contact, it makes a loud noise, doesn't mean it's hurt, hitting them clean or hitting them at all, or much less hurting them to whatever degree it's hitting them. You know, so again, you can't can't get swayed by these things. You have to look at the actual technique. What's what's the landing? What's you know, have an eye for the exchange. Rewatch exchanges. You, judges don't get to do this, but that doesn't mean we can't better ourselves. You know, but also remember that the judges don't get to do it. Something I'm trying to remember. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, um, I think he could run himself in the wood chipper because of that volume that he throws. And if you look at it, like. A lot of these people, like John Vellante, even the John, you know, Pasta Gianni was clearly on his way out. But even, you know, at his best, he was a right-handed leg kick guy. He didn't really have a jab or a lead hand. Didn't work the body too much. Um, was more offense than he was countering uh, John Vellante. Um, and if you look at the guys that Jake Collier's had problems with, um, it's guys who could competently counter, work the body, and fight with their lead hand. Um, even if it was a guy a level of Carlos Philippe. Uh, Right to uh, some of the better people that he's fought, uh, minus maybe Devin Clark, and I, memory serves, I believe that was mainly wrestling. Obviously, that got him that win. Um, you got to be a better wrestler than Collier too. I guess that's a path, but not really relevant here because both guys, to their own admission, don't like to grapple. Even though Collier act, even though they both actually have grappling bases technically. Um, so yeah, this could be one of those rare fights where like you want to bring it to the big man. He's gonna get you. I mean, Arlovsky almost got it last time, right against uh, Vandera. Um, which was, I think I had similar logic. Didn't I lay the chalk on Arlovsky and avoid the decision prop that time too? Uh, I know I took it against Philippe and cashed that. But um, but yeah, so I just laid the chalk on Arlovsky here. Um, and I was going to and I, I was gonna parlay him initially, but no, I'll lay the chalk on him because the two people I parlayed, um, different prices, but aren't within that range. One of them is next. One of them jumped up almost a dollar, but you know he's probably where he should be now. To be fair, Andre Feely minus 260. Um, Joe Anderson Brito plus 210. Like, I don't know if people were, I'm, you know, I don't want, you know, you know, I'll let the MMA analysis take credit for it and all, but at the same time, I feel like people were going to stumble upon that anyways. But yeah, when we were breaking this down on the analysis on Wednesday night, um, which was last night, I guess technically, uh, we we're like, what the fuck? Minus 180. Um, this is this is off. Like, you could have justified laying the chalk, and people probably did. They just probably did what I did with Orlovsky, right? Because you don't know if he's going to win by decision or you don't know if he's going to win inside the distance. Hold that thought. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll parlay him. But that being said, I really do think he wins inside the distance. Just rewatching that, um, 
Daniel Pineda fight and how good he was looking. And he really was making those improvements before. And it really was a bad fight against Bryce Mitchell that you could still argue that he won. Because, you know, again, that third round, Bryce Mitchell clears clear control time. But if you look at what he did with it compared to the elbows off the back that, you know, sliced, almost gave Bryce open. Uh, Mitchell looked like he had a second eyelid full of blood. You know, again, I'm not that guy, but we've seen elbows at the end of a round. Uh, again, bets that I've been on the wrong side of um, before. Um, and uh, you know, that was enough to sway the judges in that you know that very same year, very same octagon, um, very same commission and rule set. But, you know, again, results may vary, folks. This is MMA, so I'm not, not crying over spilled milk, but just saying, like, you know, not bad for a, a bad... Um, for a bad performance, and we've seen how uh, you know how good and how much staying power Bryce Mitchell has. He's got some staying power. We'll see how good he is, but all, all respect to that guy's skills. Um, and then Joe Anderson Brito, who I wasn't too impressed with because he was just like doing fouls on the Contender Series, and like it. But he's you know he's he's buff. He's Contender Series. He's new. He's throwing strong and hard, and even though it's not effective. But what does he do? He wings shots right. And again, folks, not just me fucking on my soapbox. Like, I have all these metrics to prove and support these points that are constantly provable, and I keep telling y'all. Um, but yeah, he, he, I forget what the line was with Algio, but it should have been fucking wider, wider for Algio, too, just like it should have been for Feely. But these guys, again, everybody, like, fucking ogles over, like, the muscles. Who's swings hard? Um, and they let that dictate the line or age, you know, and it's like, Algio's not that old, man. He's seasoned. He's should be fighting in his prime right now. Same with Feely. Um, like, I don't know what y'all are doing. Um, is it, outside of a puncher's chance, that's what Brito's got because Feely has been knocked out before. But if a judge knows what he's looking at, there's no, you know, he's going to, he's going to, so many things would have to fall in line for Brito to get a even semi-justifiable decision. Um, it's got to be knockout or bust. And uh, I think Feely may actually be the better wrestler because Brito's more of a first-layer guy offensively and defensively. He doesn't have the hustles and multiple layers and mat wrestling like a Mitchell, um, which was the key to Mitchell's victories, not just victory over Feely, right? Um, Brito doesn't have that. Um, and uh, he, he's more just control, uh, ground and pound, and go for the back. He's got submissions, but... I don't think he's going to be able to uh, dominate a guy. Feely's big for the division, just like, uh, you know, uh, just like, uh, what do you call it, Algio. Except Algio didn't even throw lead hands as much, much less jabs, and Feely's going to have jabs. So that guy's going to be open to jabs all day. And I'm pretty sure I didn't go back to listen to my breakdown, and I really should. But there's very few times where I go, mark my words. And it's, I feel really dangerous, you know. I mean, again, I'm, 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 look at me last week. I got burnt betting the vet, and what did I do? I lay, I'm laying the chalk of it on the vet in the co-main event again. You know, it's, it's okay. I've got enough plays or that shouldn't make or break me because um, I'm, I'm depending on more dogs this card. So that's kind of to balance out the chalk and my reads there with Andre. But back to this fight with the Feely and um, with the Feely and with with the Feely and Brito um, is uh, the mark my words. Yeah, this and the next fight. I'm pretty sure I said, mark my words, uh, Joe Anderson Brito is asking to being knocked out by a check. He will be knocked out by someone who throws a check hook. And Feely, I think, I don't know if Mitchell, he hurt him with a knee for sure. Uh, but I know he hurt, for sure hit, uh, he hurt uh, Pineda twice with a check, check hook, man. And then the fact that he was like doing the southpaw double play when he went southpaw to the body and head, that's going to work really good on a guy like Brito, 
who dips shells and opens his body. So he's either going to dip into head kicks or allow you body kicks all day. As long as you can avoid his, avoid his winging right hand return. Like, oh, he's going to hurt this kid. So I, I looked at Feely inside the distance. I'm like, plus 150. You guys know how I do with my parlay legs. Um, this won't be on the odds checker. I'm just going to give you my best three dog plays on odds checker. I ain't putting a parlay on there. So this is for you guys, but just like my odds checker parlays and the ones I give on here, I bolster the leg. So uh, I put half a unit on Feely um, inside the distance of plus 150. That'll cover the bolstered leg of the next leg in case the next leg fails, right? Um, and then hopefully we make back the parlay risk somewhere else. But uh, overall, when I looked at these numbers, even though I'm risking a lot, I do like the balance as much as you can have one in this game, right? Without being an overly hedged guy, which I'm not. And I didn't really take those angles here. So all those things considering, I like where I'm at. I may be sound like I'm talking in circles, but I, I will recap everything. Feely inside the distance, plus 150. Half a unit. Got him as a parlay leg. Paired up with... Oh, not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll get there. But uh, next fight, Grant Dawson minus 180. Jared Gordon plus 155. Another mark my words. Grant Dawson, I, I'm pretty sure, because when I was watching, um, I'm pretty sure before the Rick Glenn fight, I said mark my words, and I picked Rick Glenn, and you know I was on a fucking island with that pick, by the way. Everybody, even people that want to fade Grant Dawson were like, mm, yeah, I don't know, Dan, you know. Cue the Jonah Hill cut, cut gif. And uh, even though it was a draw, I felt so fucking justified. Because, again, I felt like, and by the way, this is a joke I was going to make. Like, again, I felt like, you know, could I just be being Styles biased here? Because I got to call myself out, too, with the Puez thing. You know, as passionate as I get. Um, because, guys, I'm, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s. Have I, you know, have I said some some words, you know, that, that weren't, you know, you know, even though I didn't mean that way, we're, we're not nice to certain things, or, you know, I've tried to weed out those really bad words, like the R word, or the, you know, the, I never really said the F word, but you know what I mean, like, yeah, you know, like R word, or certain things like that, but, you know, so I'm not perfect, folks, I'm not perfect, but you know what, I am racist, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, not against races, because, uh, against styles, now, I guess that would be stylist, but a stylist is someone who does hair, and even though, I do do a mean fade. I cut my hair today, and I actually cut my mom's hair today. And then I was using these like really sharp scissors, and I actually slipped my finger. So clearly, I'm not gonna claim to be a stylist. I'm not a good one. I'm, I, I slipped my finger open today. Um, so I don't know what the word is when you're racist against a certain style. But I'm clearly I'm just biased against certain styles. You know, like like if like if, again nothing against Peruvians not not racist against Peruvians uh, but like if if Claudio Puez's style was a person I would not let him drink from my water fountain <laughs> really Dan a segregation joke in 2022 I'm just saying like if if like you know that classic like black and white photo of the water fountains like mine would look like it would it would say like uh, it would say opportunists with a with a circle and a line through it and then below it it would say process based fighters only. <laughs> joke i'm sorry but you could say and grant dawson's not really an opportunist that's a problem he's like a process-based guy who's just married to the process to a detriment he'll wrestle himself into a hole and i've been waiting for him to get against guys who can you know are builders who come on strong late who can wrestle who are experienced who have had to take the hard road who have actually had to take the lessons and have the losses to show for it whereas 
again, I'm getting flashbacks to Poyez here, whereas Dawson, like Poyez, he's gotten all the breaks. And I'm going to make this, you know, possibly the same mistake here again, folks. And again, like last week, with, especially with this week, with all the bets that I have, and I feel pretty good about a lot of these reads, this might be one of the strongest reads, which is like giving me flags because, you know, Guida was. And again, I was like, no way, no way Poyas can get another break. He's going to get wrestled here. He's going to go down. He's going to stay down. <laughs> but you know what? I went back to watch Gordon, and goddamn, Gordon wrestles even better than... than um, Glenn, and not that Glenn was even like an NAIA wrestler or anything, um, or Division One, much less, right? And neither was Gordon. Like, Gordon's schooling and stuff between his drug addictions and moving around. Like, I don't even think he could be dedicated to a program, but he did a lot of wrestling um, with um, when he was coming up and getting his brown belt through Danaher and working at Henzo Gracie's. He would go over to New Jersey, and he actually uh, did bulk of his wrestling with his MMA career with the guy. I forget his name. God damn it. It was the same guy that Damian Maya did. So, like, even his defense is on point for, like, a guy that's being crafty like a Maya that's going to come up on the low signals. Like, he's always hoisting up with his wizards high. He's always picking wrists. Um, he does, you know, turtle and can give his back, and we saw that. We saw that against, you know, uh, Dan Moret and these other guys who were taller than Grant Dawson, by the way. I know Grant Dawson looks tall, but the guys, Jared Gordon, you know, and he beat all these guys too. Michelle Quinones is of the world. Um, Bill Algio, we just talked about Algio and how, you know, how, how good that guy is, right? Um, um, Moret, who uh, I know he always, outside of uh, uh, the Native Savage, um, loses to all UFC guys, but you know that guy's a submission dude. That was his thing. That was round one fresh. It was a really bad performance from Gordon. Back up at 155. Moret's hometown got to off to a bad start. Might have actually gotten clipped in the beginning because Gordon can get off the bad starts again. He builds strong though. Um, so yeah, I I I don't think of that as a flag actually. I think that Gordon has best better defense than anybody Dawson has fought for that not to happen. And if that happens, I wrote here, um, Grant Dawson, body triangle, a bad thing. Because uh, I remember, and I, I've had this thought in fights before. Um, and I remember having it because obviously I bet on uh, Glenn the last time out. So I'm having flashbacks when I'm watching this fight. And I'm like, oh, he's got the body triangle. He's got his back. I'm like, no, this is good because he's not going to finish him. So if he's not going to finish him, all he's going to do is burn out his legs and he's not enough a guy to do, to do enough damage to get a 10-8 especially with the way the judges are giving it now right um so with that in mind unless your guy's going to do damage and make it without a doubt if it's a guy who has a propensity to fade against a guy who has a propensity to get stronger i almost want grant dawson to get his back because more dangerous guys have gotten his back and the only one to finish him didn't even finish him by sub it was he was because he had his injured hand that were like Jared Gordon almost lost fingers from that hand. Not saying he wouldn't have lost that match anyways, because again they fed Jared Gordon to the wolves. Do Bronx fucking CDF like third degree black belts? Holy fucking shit! Did he get thrown to the fucking wolves? Um, again, Grant Dawson never had to learn these lessons. He got beat up by lower level guys and still got to skate away with wins or draws. You know what I'm saying? Like, um. Whereas Gordon, man, and now he's this is multiple camps now. He, you know, again, he was also camp jumping for a lot of these inconsistencies, the pandemic. Now he's settled at Sanford in MMA. He's not having to kill himself to make 145. 
Um, I really like this man. Is his cardio is insane? He's gonna make he's gonna make him hustle. And it's like I almost hope Grant Dawson gets the back because outside of Benil Daryush versus Drakkar Close, and we saw how sketchy that was for Daryush because again, outside of that, what happens? And even in that fight, the one rare instance at a high level where it worked out, um, your legs are burnt out and rubbery. Um, and if your wrestling's not that great and your striking's not that great, where's your drive going to be for the second round, you know, or the third round? Um, even if you get, you know, maybe you get the back triangle in the second round, or maybe you get back triangle in both rounds. Well, that's great. That's dominant, but you didn't get a finish. Now you're, you could be, you know, dead to rights. Um, and Dawson's still trying to figure out his body. And I, I forget who said it on the analysis. I don't know if it was Brad, but yeah, I agree with him. I don't think he's as good as an athlete as both people think that he is. And maybe he, even as good of an athlete as he th thinks he is. And I'm curious if there's any doubt now that he moved over to ATT, which is another huge flag. It's like he was like James Krause's boy. He had that, like, you'll be my dad, right? Like, uh, you know, like a lot of other other guys that train under Krause. Um, I'm not talking shit, by the way. Like, I love guys like Julian Marquez and this and that. And they swear by him and Krause has done good things and this and that. But, like, I'm just saying, like, as far as I'm talking about the mental relationship, like... Dude, to it's a big deal when you really look up to a coach or is your friend and your coach or a possible father figure in your coach or a possible friend, father figure and coach. Th that's a big deal. And then just trading camp, even amicable camp changes are a big deal. There's all what do I always say, folks? You always need that kind of one transitionary thing. You're always going to see not the best performance for the most part, right? It's usually not that first camp. You need that transitionary one, right? Even Macy Barber, I gave the credit to their camp team alpha male, and she's a camp jumper too. But to her credit, she actually was at team alpha male before then as well. But what was that fight? That was the Miranda Maverick fight, obviously. Not a great Macy Barber for even Macy Barber standards um, right there. So you don't necessarily see the best fighter. Then you go to his, you know, and you listen to his interviews and you go to his Instagram and he's playing the part. Like, look, I'm, I'm standing next to this guy. And then he's like in the interviews going, I'm not just, you know, uh, posing, you know, I just, you know, they're really taking me in. All the coaches have given me time. All the coaches have watched my opponents. I've trained with the highest level guys. It's like, okay, that may be true, but you only got there for eight weeks, dude. How much is it going to be in eight weeks? And... You know, how much of it are you being the punching bag for other people as well that time? How much of it is you tasting that other level now because you've been insulated, which is the reason why people like myself, you know, even though I've only faded him, tried to fade him once, and now it's going to be twice technically. We'll see if this works out this time. Um, oh, oh, and one. And we saw how that one was going. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just sense a weird different thing in his confidence. I feel like he's, he's really trying to, to, to phone it in. And you look at the captions, it's got a real, like, breakup energy to it. Like, like you just broke up with a girl. Like, well, I couldn't be better. Everything's great. Look at these high-level. Man, getting everything. I'm so much better. Going to be a champion now. You know, you all see that digs with the new team. Like, I didn't realize, but, like, Marlon Vera split ways in the last couple camps with Team Oyama. And in his last uh, fight, Vera was with Edgar, and you didn't see uh, Colin Oyama there. And in... His interview and fighters always have this energy. So, again, they get to win, but it's, just, it's a flag to me sometimes, too. And it was different with Cheeto because he was already, you know, everything was next-door neighbors. He didn't have to move states. You know, uh, he was already training at Rufka Gym. You know, uh, he already get training with Daryl Christian for wrestling, already doing nutrition here, da-da-da-da. So it didn't really affect him. But, you know, in his post fight, he's like, yeah, yeah, and, uh, with a new team. And they always, like, give, like, a, a dig, you know. It's like that passive-aggressive, the fuck you to the X, you know, like. I very much get those vibes, and that actually that worries me with Grant Dawson. At least Vera, you know, again, Vera had to go through trials and tribulations. He had to take losses. He had to fight tough guys. He had to go overseas. 
he gets to do all these things Dawson really hasn't. And Dawson may have fought overseas. I'm not looking at that right now. But that, that's not the make or break to my point, obviously. Um, and yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if you know Jordan, Jared Gordon, not necessarily known for his kicks, although I do believe he has a head kick K on his record. And he will throw head kicks from both stances, particularly the switch stance, which is where the a lot of times they'll shoot to the weak side, especially a guy like Grant Dawson, who's, you know, his whole game plan is what side of the guillotine and what's what's their stance they strike in. Because he's always going to shoot to the weak side, um, and uh, against Gordon, it's like okay, you know, he might, he maybe he might finally run into those knee head kick things because he almost did it against Glenn as well, folks. Like again, I don't know, I nerd out. I love when my analysis is that on point that like I'll call something fucking super rare and then it almost happens. Um, but whether it's a punch or maybe it is that needed the head kick, um, I think it's going to be a finish, and I think he may need a finish if Grant. Um, Cardio does look better and he gets off to a good start. But even if Grant does look better and his cardio um, does look better and he gets off to a good start, I still feel like that, four, that third round is going to be hell. Um, and it's either going to be a draw or a close decision to win or Jared Gordon gets the win. So I kick for coverage. I put one unit at plus 155. But I also played Jared Gordon at round three plus 2,500 at .33 units. Um, I might have to play it round three by KO because for some reason in one of my houses now they're not offering the only they're only offering the unique props and not offering the regular round prices, um, which won't be as good because their KO round three is the same price as like my bookies round three. For which they're actually giving a good price for once. They're usually cheap as hell. So, yeah, uh, if that hits, I mean, I fucking make... If, if Jared Gordon finishes Grant Dawson in round three, like, I think I could lose the rest of my bets on this card, and I'll still profit, and I bet a lot. So, yeah, um, that would be nice. All right, next fight, Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins, Matt Damon. Matt, the, the Team America, Matt Damon doll. Darren Elkins, minus 170. Tristan Connolly, plus 150. Canadian boy there. Um, I'm going with Elkins here, man. Connolly fights with a smart game plan, but he's purposely trying to go to decision is his game plan. His, his game plan, he said to my guy Aaron Brownstetter, is to not finish Elkins. And I get it because that's where everyone runs into f- trouble trying to finish him, but I don't think Connolly's going to have to worry about that because he's not a big puncher. And he's not a better wrestler than Elkins. Um, and I don't know if uh, he may be a technically higher rank than Elkins, but... Elkins could be an honorary jiu-jitsu black belt with the grappling level he's had to show and he had to actually prove in the fights and fires, right? Um, and Connolly coming off of a, a massive neck surgery, like two, where they had to like hammer something through his throat and like he's like one of the only combat athletes to have ever, ever come back from this uh, should he compete um, this Saturday. Like, ah, man, that's like saying hammer Darren Elkins. I know Darren Elkins is ready to fall apart at any minute. And, okay, if Connolly is able to maybe get Darren Elkins' back or out grapple, but it's like you got to be a really good grappler to do that. And I don't see it, man. I don't see it. I feel like the question is not so much whether or not Elkins wins. I mean, it might be a close decision, but I think it's does Elkins you know, finish Connolly or not? Connolly seems like a really hard guy to finish. And, and even if it is, like even if let's say Connolly is able to shut down the grappling because again he's not going to submit Darren Elkins he's got to hurt Elkins to submit him and I don't think he's going to hurt Elkins and even hurt Elkins is hard to submit um so it's got to like he's got to stymie it in the clinch let's say he's able to do that which I don't think he can small cage it's going to get too ugly 
or even if he wins some of those clinch battles, he's still ultimately going to be the war of impact. And when it comes to impact, like even if these guys are stuck having a striking battle, they're fighting away from their strengths, I still give Elkins the advantage. He's got god-awful technique. Uh, Connolly's got the cleaner technique. But Elkins hits guys pretty hard and is like kind of like rocked guys surprisingly before. Didn't he like, even like rock Volkanovski briefly or something? I forget, right? But like Elkins swings hard and it's going to be more impactful. You just got to worry about him getting cut like he always does. And then, you know, uh, losing a fight, you know, because of, like, blood damage from round one, which we'll talk about uh, in some of Christoph Yako's uh, past wins uh, next. But, uh, yeah, so I parlayed Darren Elkins um, with Andre Feely, even though I'm pretty sure Feely will get the finish, and I'm pretty sure, and since I'm pretty sure Elkins will get the decision, uh, I bolstered the Feely leg with the inside the distance plus 150, so I bolstered an Elkins leg. Plus 135, I think I had it for plus 150 at one house, but I'll just, I wrote plus 135 because, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to give you guys the more realistic numbers uh, for the most part here, so whenever I can, obviously. Um, so, and I put, how much did I put? I put, I'm more confident on that one, and that was almost going to be a straight play by itself. Um, so I put 0. 0.75 units at plus 135. So that'll, that pays off the feely inside the distance in case that misses. Uh, and then some, should this decision prop cash. Um, and then the parlay is plus 121, and I put a one unit. That's Feely minus 235 I got him at, and then Elkins minus 180, plus 121. I got a plus 124 in another house, but again, giving you guys the more. I'm secure enough with myself to round down. Uh, you know, so plus 121, one unit. Um Christoph Yako, minus 160. Gerald Mearshart, plus 140. GM3 was worried if I was being biased here, but I ended up kicking for coverage. I played GM3 at plus 150 at one unit. Uh, I don't know if you can get him at that now. Um, basically, I you know I know it's a sub prop, but you know Yako, does he point or Mearshart to get sub? I, I don't think it's that simple. I think Yako definitely points because that's how he wins. Because This theory, he doesn't like fighting. He complains when he's getting pushed off against the fence. You know, it's weird. He was... He was Five and he's what he's he's four and zero against Southpaws, but you look at the fight against Anders and Askham. Those are fights where they both could have won, and you arguably I think Askham should have won if you go back and look at that fight. Um, but he Askham gets damage done on him early. It looks really bad, so he's just got blood pouring on his face, and he's super tall because he's the Castle Yorkshire guy. Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. All right, and he's like almost like falling over with every shot, but he's landing the more quality shots on Yako. And beating him up in the clinch. And then Yutko, like, is an inexperienced referee. And he complains to the ref. And the ref just lets him off. And then Yutko does flashy spinning shit that doesn't land. And fucking steals the round, of course. Ugh, the fucking worst. And then with Eric Anders on that fight. And it's not even me complaining. I think, if anything, I actually remember picking him. Possibly even betting Yutko by decision. So, but the Eric Anders. Well, I went back. So, if anything, I cashed. And I was right. But it pissed me off going back and watching it. Because I'm like, dude, Eric Anders could have totally won this fight. Eric Anders was landing the more impactful shots, but every time he did, he killed his own work and own argument for the round because he does what he always does. He hurts the guy or hits him hard at the very least, and then he crush, then he crowds him to the cage and goes into the clinch. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and it's funny, Yoko was calling him like a pussy, even though, like, dude, you just laid in prey to guys terrible as Am Alan Amadovsky in, like, your last fight or two, like... You have no right. And then he's, like, calling, like, fucking GM3 a bunch of fucking names and shit. Like, Gerald's like, I've got more submissions than... i got more finishes than you. I also have the same amount of knockouts. It's like, you haven't had a... You've had, like, one finish against, like, a chinny guy. Like, it's so fucking awful. Um, so, Yoko, I think he's been asking for it for a minute. He was on a long losing streak and probably should have been on his way out. Um, 
And, you know, I know he looks good and he's in shape and he says he's feeling better this one, this time, no injuries. And, you know, he looks the part on the Instagram, taking all the pictures, making the rounds. Hey, pose with me for ATT. Yeah, we shall, we shall this, how are we training? And it's like, but he does that like every fucking time for years now. He's been at that camp forever. The camp's not going to make the difference for a guy like him. Well, could he win this fight? Yes, but it's not because he was at AGT this camp. He's been there forever and his style is still fucking his wrestling's gotten better, but his, his style's just as fucking stupid. It's a point-fighting style, and he will swing hard for a point-fighting style, but, like, his process is just silly. He doesn't put enough numbers out there, kind of like the Juliana Velasquez. He fights way too close. Um, and it's like Gerald Mearshart. I think he's, like, 2-1 and one against Southpaws or something. Like, But it's like two of those fights were both against Sam Alvey where he beats him the first time by unanimous decision over 10 years ago in a five-round fight but then loses a three-round and it obviously didn't go back to watch it because it's not relevant but it could be like the Jessica Andrade Rosama Yunus thing where it's like oh they were going to give Rose the rematch in the only way that she can beat her which is a borderline uh, nip and tuck decision that probably should have still went to Andrade in a three-rounder so it could have been one of those things and then you look at it oh he also lost to like a it was like one and two or something. So he also lost to Eric Anders. And it's like, well, he actually beat Eric Anders that fight. He outstruck him. And Jeremy Mishar actually looks like he strikes really well against fellow Southpaws, um, to be honest. Um, and Mirshar already has a beat. He's like, yep, he's going to be looking for my legs. He's going to be looking to do this. Like, um, And if Yoko's in coming in better condition for this fight, well, guess who else was in bad condition in their last fight? Um, it was, uh, And he didn't have to win by split. He actually got a third-round finish despite not being in good condition. Uh, so again, he looks slow, but it's not gassing. It's slow and steady wins the race, baby. Slow and steady wins the race. It's not a gas tank problem. Even when he has a gas tank problem, he still gets the third round finish instead of like the corpse of Misha Sturkinoff, who like he was already on his way out. And you know, uh, I like Misha, but that that I, I was saying that I've said that, and it's been proven to be true now multiple times. Like his wins haven't aged well. Whereas Mearshart, yeah, it's like Darren Elkins or Gordon or these other guys, Feely that I'm betting. It's like. Yeah, they, they don't have as clean of a looking record if we're just going by numbers, which I fucking hate those numbers. Arguments. There's so many idiots in the comment sections of MMA decisions going, yeah, but he didn't have this much significant strikes. Let's show your fucking work. Not bullshit stats numbers, which there's so many of these fights. The stats numbers were completely fucking wrong, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, that's every card, though, every week, and I'm a fucking broken record. But yeah, like, in other words, like, Gerald Mearshart can outstrike him and win a decision here if the judges are you know, sticking to criteria and going off of impact, not getting swayed by Yutko's breakdancing, spinning, woo-woo bullshit. Um, and even when they're not striking, they aren't going to find their way into the clinch. And Christoph Yutko's got really good takedown defense by percentage, and he's got good technique as well. It's going to be very hard. But Yoko will throw himself off balance sometimes. He's been much better about that. He's, he's a very risk-averse fighter. He's been much better about throwing himself out of position. But when he does, he literally throws himself out of position. Not like, oh, he could have been countered there. Like, no, he slips and fucking falls. Um, and that's all he, All you need is one of those. All you need to do is give one front headlock. And when Yoko does scramble, he goes turtle. Um, except I don't trust his uh, defense like a Jared Gordon's. Um, and he's a, a middleweight, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I feel like Mearshart, you know, and, and when Yako gets hit, by the way, he only needs to get hit by one clean. He doesn't even go all the way. He doesn't even go like unconscious when you see this. So I don't know if it's a bad chin. He just shells up and he's done. He's like, no, I'm not taking any more. Like if you look at it, 
Like, yeah, Uriah Hall, like, that's his MO, but, like, and I, I'm not saying this to discredit Brad Tavares. I obviously disagree with this stereotype. I am, you know, uh, probably co-captain status near of the Brad Tavares fan club. Um, you guys know I love my boy Brad, but what is what is his stereotype? that other Not me. Other people give Brad. He can't finish. He's a decisionator. Brad Tavares fucking finished him with just one punch. <laughs> he was done. It's only because the ref took a second to get in there, as Tavares himself noted, because Tavares himself noted and acknowledged even in that fight. It's like, yeah, he was dead after that one punch. Um, and so it's like, dude, Gerald Minichard could also, honestly, it's the lowest of the pie percentage, but he could even get a TKO win here. Like, all three pathways are viable. So I kicked for coverage. Minichard plus 150. And another thing that I don't like about is uh, Yako's point-fighting style is that he actually gets tired, which makes sense because he's moving around and he's only 32 or 33, but it feels like it's been getting worse, like he's an aging fighter and the style's catching up to him. But he gets tired consistently in round three, win or lose. Um, so, again, plus 150, Gerald Gordon, one unit, but I also... Or not one unit, uh, Gerald Gordon, uh, GM3, one unit, uh, but I also... Uh, Mershart, round three, plus 1400, 0.17 unit. I sprinkled a little bit there, too. So, I'm, doing, I'm bolstering, you know, these guys a little bit, but if they cash, they're going to cash, cash big. Um, so, that little uh, bonus addition is... Um, in my opinion, even if it all falls flat, um, worth for the potential collection on the other end. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> Francisco Figueredo, plus 100. Daniel Da Silva, Lacerda, uh, Miojo, <laughs> minus 120. Um, I'm going to go with him here. I think Big Fig got the initially opened as a favorite because it's Figueredo is the last name. Um, I didn't tape this, so beware. That said, I did play the under at plus 100. Uh, at minus 105 in one house, um, half a unit on both. Um, and it's in a prop parlay. All these props are... I have two prop parlays and that I, I rounded up all my props into. Um, but that's all I have for this fight. Just just betting the violence. That's it. Uh, Alexander Romanoff, minus 2,200. Two, uh, two, Chase Sherman, plus 1,100. Um, Romanoff by submission. Um, pretty simple there. If it pops up in plus money for whatever reason, like on fight day, like it did when I was doing the live show with Aaron Bronstetter, um, I'll, I'll lay it. Uh, other than that, unless I find a plus number, or uh, especially now as I have too many bets, uh, I'm staying away. Um, Gabe Green, minus 140. Johan Lanessi, plus 120. More of a fan of Gabe Green after hearing him on the Verbal Tap podcast. Shouts to those guys again. Going to go with Gabe Green for his pressure in the small cage. Um, but uh, staying away from this fight. Mike Breeden, plus 165. Natan Levy, minus 195. Going to go with Levy by sub, but stayed away. Could get ugly. Um, you know, um, again, much better spots than uh, looking on these prelims. No offense. That being said, uh, Gina Mazzani, minus 180. Shannon Young, plus 155. No way I'm going to bet this fight on it as far as the side goes. But I felt like the under just made a lot of sense because these girls are, are both deceptively do or die. It's hard to get one do-or-die fighter, um, much less two, and then they're going to give you a two-and-a-half uh, over plus 150 or higher, depending on where you look for the under. So, yeah, I put just a half unit, I believe. Or no, not even .33. Yeah, I put a half unit for the under for the... the, or the no, no, no. Wait, yeah, I, I, I just wrote those wrong. Sorry. Yeah, I put a, I put a half unit for Lacerda uh, fig. And then I put 0.33 units because it's a better number, plus 150 for under 2.5 for Mazzani Young. Um, Tatsuro Tyra, minus 235. Carlos Candelario, plus 190. No opinion on this one. Didn't tape it. 
better spots. You know, hoping for Japan to show out nicely, but uh, we'll see. You know, get my not gonna get my hopes too high. All right, how did we do on time? Oh, 119. Well, better than last week. All right. Um, I didn't give you guys any of the prop parlays, but I'll just save it for this recap. So, recapping picks and plays from the top. Taking Vera over Font. Taking Orlovsky over Collier. Taking Feely over Brito. Taking Gordon over Dawson's Creek. Taking Darren Elkins over Tristan Connolly. Taking Mershart over Yutko. Taking Da Silva Lacerda over Figueredo. Taking Romanoff over Sherman. Taking Green over... Uh, Lanessi taking Levy over Breeden, taking Mazzani uh, over Young, if I didn't clarify the pick there, taking Tyra over Candelario. Uh, I parlayed Feely and Elkins. Feely minus 235, I got him, and Elkins minus 180 for plus 121 at one unit. Um, uh, straight up, I took GM3 plus 150 for a unit. Straight up, I took Vera plus 115 for a unit. Straight up, I took Gordon at plus 155 for a unit. Laid the chalk on Arlovsky at minus 140 for 1.4 units. Uh, props and bolsters to some of those plays that I already gave you. I took Vera by submission, uh, plus 600 in one house. I took him inside the distance at plus 300. Uh, 0.33 units for the plus 300 play. 0.25 units for the plus 600 sub prop. Um, Mazzani Young under. Um, minus 2.5 plus 150, 0.33 units. Lacerda Fig uh, under 0.25 minus 105 slash plus 100 for 0.5 units. Um, Elkins by decision plus 135, 0.75 units. Now, if you want to, you can mix any of these up anyway if you feel more confident on the other. But the main four I initially did, if you want to round robin those, so you just need three to hit, but I parlayed, so I need all four, is Vera inside the distance plus 300. Lacerda Fig under 2.5 minus 105. Mazzani Young under 2.5 plus 150. Elkins Decision plus 135. And that was for, if you parlay all four of those, it's plus 4,488. I put 0.10 units. That's just 10 ducats on that one. Um, feel free to round robin that for a better percentage. That way, if one falls, you still cash. I believe two even. You might even break even or something like that, or just over. We'll see. I don't know. It depends what your house does. Um, the next grouping, I took Feely inside the distance plus 150. That could even be one, you know. Um, uh, uh, that would be the only other one I would maybe swap. Uh, the other ones are real long shots that I tied him to. But Feely inside the distance alone plus 150, I put half a unit. Um, Gordon round three took a little flyer there plus 2,500 for 0.33 units. And Mearshart round three plus 1,400, 0.17 units. And the last grouping... If you group those last three, that's Feely inside the distance at plus 150, Gordon round three plus 2,500, Mearshart round three plus 1,400. All three of those is plus 97,400. And I only put um, 0.05, so five ducats, five dollars there. And that'll be a pretty penny if that were to cash. Um, okay, those are my plays. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening to me. I appreciate all the shares and the support uh for feeling generous secure paypal links in my link tree at dan tom mma on twitter um mixedmarshallanalyst.com supports this website there's also secure paypal links there if you want to support just over you know problematic companies like amazon click throughs and so on if you want to do click throughs and buy stuff there for no extra cost and have a small percentage get kicked back to me 
Either way, at the PYM Podcast, to follow, support there, share there. Uh, YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA, I appreciate it all. Don't deserve most of it, to be honest, but I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys and gals and, and, and everybody and everything else. Love you all. All love here. All are welcome. Uh, I, I know I could be allowed to deal with it, but I like to consider myself an ally. All the best. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect... Mm-hmm.